Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, and a fantastic guest in the studio today, all the way from New York. He is the CEO of Humor That Works, a leadership development company that teaches professionals how to use humor to achieve better business results. He's partnered with top organizations, including IBM, the UN, and the FBI, to solve human challenges with humorous solutions. A best-selling author, he's featured in the Wall Street Journal, Inc. and Fast Company, and has been named a visionary under 40 by the PNG Alumni Network. His TED Talk on the skill of humor has been viewed more than 6 million times, and only half of those were his mum. He loves chocolate and he loves tweeting puns. Please welcome Andrew Tarvin. Andrew, how are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Uh, what a great uh, reading of that. You have a great voice for, for reading introductions. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've read a few in my time, I must tell you, but, uh, but I've not ever read one that connects the IBM, the UN, and the FBI in one, uh, in one speech. What did you do with the FBI, or is it top secret and you can't tell me? Uh, I can I can reveal a little bit. So uh, as you can imagine, uh, even I was a little bit, you know, when I first got the email and first got the call from the FBI, a little bit intimidated. So you know, the <laughs> FBI can be pretty intimidating. And uh, they, uh, they have an office of private sector. So in addition to all of the work that they do, they also work with private companies. So if there's, you know, cybersecurity crime, or uh, embezzlement issues, or whatever it happens to be, uh, they want to develop these relationships with senior leaders at top organizations, and they're realizing that they're having difficulty building rapport because everyone was intimidated every time they would show up. Right. And so we work with them on how to use humor to uh, connect at a human level with uh, with some of these people. And I will say, even for me, it was one of the most intimidating rooms I've ever been in because it was one of the few times that I presented where 90% of the room was armed. When I was right. speaking, it's like if they didn't like a joke, they could really let me know. <laughs> it's like being in Texas, but uh, and someone's pointing a spotlight in your eye. That wouldn't wouldn't help either. How did you get into humor, Andrew? How did you? How? What's the story that got you to where you are today? Sure. I mean, I, I, the natural, the, the quick response is that I uh, went to the Ohio State University and got a degree in computer science and engineering. Right. And that only creates more questions in people's minds. So <laughs> like. Humor and engineering, that's not not what I think of. But while mm. I was at Ohio State, uh, my best friend wanted to start an improv comedy group. He needed people and forced me to join. Right. And uh, I fell in love with it. We we weren't very good. Uh, you know, we had no idea what we're doing. We watched Whose Line Is It Anyway uh, and tried to repeat what we saw. Right. But uh, one, we got better over time with a lot of practice and repetition. And two... I, I fell in love with it and realized once I once I graduated and started working at uh, Procter and Gamble as an IT project manager, 
I realized that I was drawing just as much, if not more from improv as I was from the technical things that I had learned. And I realized, you know, and this is the reason why we have kind of a, a wide range of clients like, you know, IBM and the UN and the FBI is that they all involve humans. That's the mm -hmm. one kind of common thread that they have. And I learned that improv and, and stand up and humor in general was incredibly helpful for me to interact with the hardest resource I ever had to, to work with, which was other humans. Right. And they're all very serious businesses, aren't they? They are. And that's, that's the recognition is, is that, you know, that even if they are serious business or your work is serious or the, the message is serious, it, it still doesn't negate the fact that it's humans that are doing the work and doing the process. And so humor is a skill that works particularly well with people. And in fact, we're doing some work with the Red Cross right now. And, and the gentleman that we're working with uh, is doing presentation for things like disaster preparedness and talking about how to uh, you know, do things in case of a flood or a drought or what have you. And he was the one that said that in those situations, boredom has very serious consequences. Right. And so we need to be able to use humor as a way to uh, encourage people to, to pay attention, to be listening. And then you can tell them that important message there. So using humor doesn't negate the fact that something is maybe serious or important. But it's always, it's, a, it's a great icebreaker as well in, in difficult times, isn't it? Oh, for sure. It's a great, it's one of the best ways to, to build rapport. I mean, as, as Victor Borg said, the shortest distance between two people is a smile, right? <laughs> a great way to, to break the ice, get people kind of smiling. And then if you can use a little bit of humor to get people laughing and because when you laugh together, you kind of are showing that you're on the same side together. You, when you make someone laugh, there's kind of a, an inherent aspect of saying, okay, you understand me at some level, enough of a level to make me laugh. We must be, there's some type of connection that we can have here. And that's very different between having a shared connection around something that's funny to both of you and just being a funny guy, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, I think anyone is is capable of learning how to be, at least what we say for our programs is that we can teach anyone to be funnier, right? right? We, we're not necessarily going to make you a stand-up comedian or make you laugh out loud hysterical where you'll, you'll get a Netflix comedy special or be showing up on a BBC, you know, panel show. Uh, yeah. as soon as you do one workshop, but you should be able to to move that skill, right? And if it's a skill, it means it can be learned. Of course. And I mean, I, I get why you want to build rapport. I guess why I get why businesses want to to improve the, the communication between each other. But, you know, where, where what is it? Re what's it really for? Does it make them more money? Does it make them more efficient? What What's the purpose? I mean, it, it, there are 30 plus benefits of using humor in the workplace, ranging from improving execution, like increasing uh, productivity. Because one of the things, you know, as an engineer, I'm obsessed with efficiency, right? Like I, I am obsessed with it, like to the point that I, I listen to podcasts at one and a half speed, because uh, right. not only is it faster, but also more people sound like me. <laughs> uh, a higher pitch, uh, right? Yeah. So there's there's a lot in efficiency, and one of the things that I've discovered in my research around productivity is that it is very difficult to be productive if you are dead, yeah, or if you feel like death, right? If you're sick, if you're tired, if you're burned out, stressed out, worn out, very difficult to be productive. And so using humor strategically throughout the day maintains employee engagement, allows you to stay kind of focused, right? Because we know that time management is important, but also it doesn't matter how much time you have if you don't have any energy to do anything with that time, right? We've all experienced that over like a weekend where we have all the things that we want to get done over the weekend. 
we're excited about it. You know, we're going to do the finally, you know, clean out the garage or whatever we have to do. And it gets to the weekend. You have no energy left because of the, the, how long the, the week felt. And then you just, the only thing that you've completed is like watching, you know, season three of stranger things, right? You've mm-hmm. only binge watched stuff. And so how do you manage that energy? And humor is a great way to, to manage it. So it, I mean, there's, there's 30 plus benefits ranging from execution, thinking, communicating, connecting and, and leading across basically the five skills of work, which all of those things do impact and lead to people having an increased sense of, you know, workplace satisfaction to feeling like there's a more positive workplace culture to decreasing turnover, to increasing engagement and ultimately impacting in a positive way, the bottom line. And that's the, that's the key, isn't it? The more you, you, the more money you make, the more time you can spend, uh, looking at how you can make uh, make things more efficient and 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 better in the business. Yeah, in a sense, and I mean, it comes down really in a way to a simple question, and it's a dumb question. But the simple dumb question is: Would you rather do something that is fun mm-hmm. or not fun? <laughs> right. Right. It is a dumb question, but uh, people would want to do something that is more fun. So that means that if you were to make your own work a little bit more fun you're probably a little bit more willing to do it. If you're to make your meetings a little bit more fun, you're probably a little bit more willing, like people would be more willing to come to it. If you're to make your, say, customer service a little bit more fun, you'd probably be getting more positive reviews and building better rapport with your customers as part of the process. And that's really kind of what it's about, is about changing the way we do things. It's not replacing the work that we do, but changing it slightly just so that we enjoy the process a little bit more. And then, oh, by the way, based on psychology and physiology and some of these, you know, this other research, it's also going to get you better results while doing it. Has that changed over time? Because, I, you know, I look back to my career. I started life as a chartered accountant, and uh, and I remember going into my first job thinking, oh, this is all very, very serious. I better be pretty serious too. And, um, you know, and it never occurred to me that actually enjoying what I did was probably a good thing as well. And, you know, now having, you know, being much, much older, Andrew, than I was then, um, you know, one of the one of the core pillars of my business is fun. It has to be enjoyable. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. Do you think do you think generationally or just across time, people have started to recognize that actually, you know, a, a, a fun workplace is a, is a great place? Absolutely. I mean, it is still, it's not quite there yet, but the uh, millennial generation is the first generation to list fun as a core value for what they're seeking at work. They are a group that's starting to, to recognize it. And, you know, people are realizing that work doesn't necessarily have to feel like so much work. And to your point, uh, there's sometimes a cultural difference of, of you go into the workplace. And, and so even still with a little bit of a transformation, the, the number one reason why people don't use more humor in the workplace is they don't think that their boss or coworkers would approve. Right. And what that means is a couple of things. One, it means that if you're the leader of a team or an organization and that team isn't having fun, if they're not laughing, if they're not uh, finding joy in the work that they're doing, it means you're probably part of the reason why. Not necessarily <laughs> yeah. like intentionally, but uh-huh. there's something that you're doing that's preventing it from happening. Um, and two, it means that, you know, it's, it's just more of a, it's more of a perception thing because 98% of CEOs prefer job candidates with a sense of humor and 81% of employees prefer a a fun workplace. They think it would make them more productive. And so, you know, people are clamoring for humor in the workplace. They want it, but people just don't necessarily see it. And so they don't think that it's welcome. Well, that confuses me. Why, Why would it not be welcome? 
Well, I mean, I, again, there's a, there's an older mentality that, um, you know, there's, there's this old cliche kind of joke where, you know, if work was meant to be right. fun, then it would be called play. There's almost like some people that live with that kind of mindset. And I think it's, it's, and it makes sense from in the industrial revolution, you could be obsessed with efficiency. Cause I think that's where we're at was, is still as a, as an organization, as organizations, we're often obsessed with efficiency and if you're working in a factory, if you're building out the scope of a factory, that makes sense. How do we make these widgets as fast as possible with the least amount of work possible? And uh, the problem is that you can't be efficient with humans because humans have emotions and feelings, right? And they get sick and they get tired and all of those things. And so in a new knowledge economy where your mood impacts your ability to be creative or to get work done or to show up more present in a meeting, or to be able to effectively send emails or communicate out these different messages. It, as work has shifted in terms of what we do, our mindset hasn't. And so that obsession with efficiency keeps us from saying, oh, okay, well, this is extraneous and we don't need it. But what we're losing out on is effectiveness, right? Because there is the difference between being efficient and being effective, right? It doesn't matter how fast you can run a race if when you know the starting gun goes off, yeah. you run in the opposite direction. And so sometimes we're losing our effectiveness in a in a in our quest for efficiency. And so humor is about being more effective in the workplace. And so I think that's part of the reason why it just takes some time for people to catch up. And then there is a component too of how to use humor appropriately, because we've all had that experience where someone, you know, has said mm. jokes that have made you like cringe or are not funny and all that. So that is the second component. It's like, okay, once you get past the idea of should I use humor in the workplace or not, oh, okay, I should. How do I actually do it? Right, because this is where I was going to get my next question was going to come from. Is I'm sat at my desk, I'm running a team, I'm thinking, I've heard this guy, Andrew, I really like what he had to say, I'm going to start using humour. Where do you start with that? Well, I, I think you start with your your own work and your own sense of humor. So we, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big believer that humour is a skill, personally, because right. I had to learn how to use it. Right. I am, I'm not the life of the party type person. I'm not the class clown type person. You know, I, I've done over a thousand shows as a stand up comedian. I've now spoken more than 500 times on the value of humor in the workplace. My TEDx talk on the skill of humor does have more than six million views. And what I share in the talk is I recently went to my high school reunion, met uh -huh. classmates of mine from high school, and they found out that I did comedy. And they're like, yeah. but yeah. you're not funny. And that's because I, growing up, I wasn't that outwardly facing humor thing. So I do think humor is a skill. And the way that we break down humor is it's three things. It's your sense of humor, your ability to humor, and your agency with humor. So your sense of humor is simply starting like, what do you find interesting? What do you find curious? What makes you smile? What makes you laugh? And how do you incorporate that a little bit more into your work? So for example, if you're starting, if you're like, ah, I want to get started with using humor in the workplace, okay. Can you listen to one of your favorite comedians or to a, a fun podcast like this one on my on your way home from work so that you laugh and relieve stress and show up right. more present for your family when you get there? Or can you at the bottom of your emails include, you know, a PS link to a YouTube comedy video that kind of is related mm -hmm. to the point that you want to make? Uh, right. So how can you make your own work a little bit more fun is a great starting point. And then from there, it's growing it to say, OK, how do I then do it? in an appropriate way. And this kind of builds into the ability to humor. Okay, how do I, what is set up and punchline? What does the structure mean? How do I, what do I need to do for delivery, delivering with confidence? 
and then building past that to the agency of humor, which is your ability to use humor to get a specific goal. So the engineer in me is like, don't just use humor for the sake of humor. I mean, that's fine, but instead you can use humor to solve challenges that you already have in the workplace. If you're like, okay, I, I have this challenge where people aren't reading my emails. How can I add humor to it? Oh, well, maybe I can add a little bit incongruity in my subject line. Maybe I could, you know, parody a, a song lyric in my subject line. But, um, you know, I think I saw one recently, like I will do anything for right. sales, but I won't do that. And then it's like, and the, here's, here's the thing not to do in sales, right? Mm -hmm. Having just a little bit more fun. And that can get you started and like, okay, how do I solve this problem that I have and see if humor is a solution? Is there a level of authenticity then? Is it just really being yourself more? Uh, I mean, it's being a, it's being the best version of yourself. <laughs> if you, if you're a terrible person, it's not just like a license to then continue uh -huh. to be a terrible person in the office, but, and it's, and it's about being in a, an appropriate version because there is a difference between, you know, comedy in a stand-up comedy club and comedy or sure. humor that you're going to use in the office, right? Because in a comedy club, people can kind of say all manner of things. They can be inappropriate. They can be lewd. Uh, you know, they can talk about blue, blue material, right? So sex, drugs, uh -huh. and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in the workplace, you do want to be, you want to frame it as more positive and inclusive. You want to be, you know, more, you don't want, what we say is you want to follow the newspaper rule right? The newspaper rule being, would you be comfortable with whatever joke or thing that you did showing up in the, the hometown of your front page, uh, the yeah. front page of your hometown newspaper or showing up on Facebook or Twitter? And if you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I'd want everyone to see that joke that I just made, then it's probably not an appropriate joke for the workplace. You do want to keep it more positive and inclusive where the goal isn't, and the goal isn't for people to be like, oh my God, you're so funny. And, uh, oh, you should do stand-up comedy. The goal for you is to be effective. Yeah using humor when you're talking about the newspaper thing people used to say you know would, would you want your mum to read that and if you don't want your mum to read that then uh, then mm -hmm. don't put it online it's as simple as that it's as simple as that exactly exactly although i did share that once and it's like yeah would you want to mind if someone raised their hand and like my mom has a terrible sense of humor she like loves anthony jesuit right. and curses, curses like a sailor so is it okay if it, my mom would be okay right. with it like okay well uh think about your grandmother the general Choose, choose someone yeah. else. Choose someone a little bit less, uh, le less open to madness. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, part of it. And so the, the way that we train on agency of how to, to know what type of humor to use is we, we frame something called the, the humor map. And that stands for your medium, your audience and purpose. So medium is, you know, how are you executing that humor as an email, as in a phone call? Who is the audience? And then what is the purpose? Is it to get people to pay attention to this email? Is it to remember an idea a little bit longer? Is it to relieve your own stress? Is it to lead people? Is it to think more create creatively, et cetera? But that audience piece is important because there are going to be some people in the workplace mm -hmm. where you can say, you know, you can have a little bit of a, say, either darker sense of humor or um, more risque. Like we do some work with uh, some emergency first responders right. and they yeah. tend to some tend to have pretty dark humor at times with each other because mm -hmm. it serves catharsis because they see such terrible things day in and day out. They need some way to relieve all yeah. the stress and, you know, emotion that is pent up. And so that dark humor can be part of it. So as a group together, they, that audience is appropriate for them to use it. But then if they're to use that with, you know, uh, a patient or someone that's outside of that world, then people wouldn't understand it and think it's offensive because they don't have that same context. So that audience yeah. piece, who that person is, your relationship to them does impact the type of humor you can use. Now, I, I, in your introduction, you, you mentioned uh, 
tweeting puns, and I, I love puns. I'm, I'm a real fan of corny jokes. I love dad jokes. I love, you know, that sort of stuff. And, I, and I've and i seen a few businesses recently. In fact, I was talking with someone uh, only interviewing on this podcast yesterday, actually, which will go out in a week or two's time. Um and they were talking about Chewy, the dog, the uh, the pet food place, and and you know the the puns that they love to chuck into their into their emails, you know, over and snout and stuff like that. Um, is that a quick and easy way to start? I mean, I think that it can be. So the other, well, from a from a starting point, an even easier starting point than say puns is to recognize that to use humor effectively, you don't even necessarily have to be the creator of humor, right? You can be the curator of humor. You can find humor right. elsewhere and, and leverage it. Now, when doing that, you want to make sure that you give proper credit and you don't um, violate any copyright rules. So you don't want to just steal like things out there. But for the most part, it seems like as a society, we've decided that you know memes are are free to use. So for a lot of times, it's using a meme out there. Or there's plenty of jokes that exist, right? Yeah, if you're if you're the the dog company, then uh, Chewy's like pet food. Then you can go and research dog jokes, simple dog jokes, and throw in ones like, um, you know, it's raining cats and dogs outside. I got stuck in a poodle, uh, right? That's that's like a, a public kind of joke, so you can share that. There is no kind of ownership over that particular one. So you can use things yeah. like that. So you don't have to necessarily be the one creating it. Or you can link to stuff. If you're like, like as a, as a leader of an organization, if you want to say, hey, you know, let's start using humor in the workplace. A funny way to start is watch this TEDx talk on the skill of humor by this very handsome and attractive gentleman named Andrew Tart. Like, right. So you can have a little bit of, sense <laughs> of fun, yeah. shameless plug. Um, right. But well, it can start with that, that curation of humor for people. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I just love the idea of that. And I love the self-deprivation stuff as well. I mean, I do that a lot myself. Um, and I always find, especially when I'm when I'm speaking on the stage, if I, you know, if, if, if you have a little go at yourself, people seem to like that. It makes them, it warms them to you a little bit as well, which is, which is really great. It does. And it, and it, and it reduces status differentials, right? Self-deprecating humor is a great way to let people know that you don't take yourself too seriously. And it it gives you a little bit of free reign, like not free reign, but like at least in comedy clubs, you'll notice people will a lot of times start with poking fun at themselves so that a little bit later, if they're poking fun at something else, you recognize it as a, out of sense of humor, as opposed to out of aggressiveness towards that thing. It's like, okay, you know, I can laugh at myself. I can laugh at these other situations that arise. Which, which companies are doing this really well? Who are your favorites? Company wise? Um, let's see. I really, so the hustle is a newsletter here in, um, uh, in the U S that's focused on startups and things. I think they do a good job of balancing humor and the work that they do. They, you know, speaking of curating humor, they, every Friday, they leverage shower thoughts from Reddit where they just kind of curate some of the best shower thoughts there where they're not the ones creating it, but they're just kind of posting, Hey, if you want to check out more, go to Reddit, but here are some of our favorites from the past week. Um, That's Uh a great leveraging of that. They also use a a lot of great humor in their headlines and things. So I think that's done very well. Um, There's a, uh, a website. What is the full website? There's a toilet paper company. Uh, I think it's who gives a crap. I don't remember if it's like .com or .org or something like that, but the, the brand. Yeah. Yeah. So these, they're the, the, the recycle guys. Yep. Exactly. Recycled toilet paper. They ship it to your door. They have great sense of humor on their website. Um, just in terms of uh, the imagery that they use, the words that they use, the branding that they use. So I think that does, does very well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think those are a couple, there's, there's a ton out there that are doing great things. I mean, the Wendy's Twitter feed, 
is hilarious because they like roast people. That's very, that seems kind of like a very millennial style generation of, of things, but they're, they're roasting people out there. So they're very, very good on um, Twitter. So there's a lot of different groups that are doing it well. And, and part of it is about identifying, you know, just like, and we've worked with some companies of just like having, say, a brand style guideline, have a humor style guideline. What is the, what are the, what's the sense of humor of a brand or an, of an organization? Uh, what should people be feeling, right? The the stereotypical answers is, is Zappos and Southwest, but Southwest now has a humor style guide in a sense. I don't know if they have it written down, but you you know what you're going to experience from kind of, you know, plane ride to plane ride where it's going to be positive, uh, sometimes cheesy, but overall like positive and fun uh, sense mm-hmm. of humor. Yeah, and if you want that, you fly Southwest. And I remember uh, when Virgin first started in Australia, they were called Virgin Blue. And, um, and you know, you had a similar thing. It was a little bit slapstick. They got people out their seats to do the, you know, here are the exits and, and this is how you put the vest on and all the rest of it. But it was, if you wanted that, great. If you don't want that, don't fly it. Right, and I think that's an important point for people to recognize is, you know, you're never going to be able to please everyone. And this this I had to learn by looking at, like, at the comments on my my TEDx talk on the YouTube comments is because you look at them and it's it's overly positive. It's like over a hundred thousand you know thumbs up that people like it, and then there's still I think there's like almost three thousand dislikes. And if you read through yeah. the comments, some of them are very positive, but a lot of them are also like this guy isn't funny or this yeah. was terrible. One was like go back to engineering, please. Um, and brutal in some sense in some of these things. And and what I realize is that your humor isn't going to appease everyone. Just like your product or your service isn't going to appeal to everyone. But what your humor can do is help you find your audience, help you find the people that do resonate with this thing. And, and then it's going to build the relationship even more. And for me, I recognize that, you know, every second that I was wasting on uh, an ounce of energy that I was wasting on the people that don't like what I do meant that I wasn't serving the people that already do like my sense of humor, that do like wordplay and puns and kind of the nerdy style. And it's not to be that, oh, I don't need to be everything to every person, but humor can help me better identify who that audience is and provide even better value to them. If you're serving the audience, that the, the right audience, everything's wonderful. And I think kind of what you're saying there is quite interesting. If you, if you, if you, if you can find those people who are like you, then they will like you more. And the more you like each other, the better the relationship becomes. The better you know, the the better you you do business together, and and it's self perpetuating. Um, but also, I'm sure there's there's examples um, where people have tried using humor and it's fallen flat and it's lost them relationships. Have you had, have you come across that kind of thing? Well, I mean, certainly there are plenty of you know articles in in the news of people getting fired because of inappropriate u- use of humor. There are you know examples of um, you know within the the quote unquote. Twitter, uh, you know, cancel culture that those things have happened because of humor, even that was used like 10, 20 years ago. Um, so absolutely, there is a, a risk to using humor. And so what we we encourage is, again, going back and thinking about that newspaper rule within the corporate place, it's less about being funny and more about things, making things a little bit more fun, because it is important to understand that humor is more broad than comedy, right? It's specifically why my company is called humor that works and not comedy that works, because it is more broad and it is comedy, but it also is maybe something that's just a little bit silly or something that's a little bit different that causes 
amusement. So understanding that I think is, mm-hmm. is important. And, and recognizing that if your humor is positive, inclusive, cause that is what people are scared of. They're scared of either saying something inappropriate or it being yeah. awkward. And so the inappropriate thing is, yeah, that is kind of about subject. So, you know, there's typically three reasons why humor is inappropriate. Uh, one, it has an inappropriate subject. So like I said before, you know, using humor at work is not an excuse to then say something incredibly racist or sexist or something or offensive, mm-hmm. right? It's not, but it was just a joke. It's like, no, it's still a subject. It's not a comedy club. Yeah. Uh, it might come, uh, it might have an inappropriate target. And so, you know, maybe you're making fun of something that you don't have the right to make fun of. So this is actually one of the things that happens. I've had multiple coaching clients that have come over from the UK and the US and they're like, people think that I'm mean. And it's because in the culture of UK and in Australia, I'm finding is there's there's a kind of a, a banter kind of um, mm-hmm. yeah. quality uh, where people where you meet someone right away and right away um, the terminology is, and this is just saying it is taking the piss out yeah. of someone. Yeah. And that's kind of a fun way to do. And like, and they do that with people that they barely like they they've met for the first time. Yeah. Whereas in the US, if you do that, it comes across to many people as aggressive and you can get to that point, but only after you've known the person for a while. And so recognizing that it's going to be different based on on different cultures. And so uh, but all that to say, so it might have an inappropriate target. People might not feel comfortable about you making fun of that particular thing yet because of your relationship. Mm-hmm. And then finally, it could come at an inappropriate time. This is not to say that humor is always going to be the right thing to say at every single moment. This is just saying it is a strategic tool that we can use in certain moments to be effective. And so if people avoid those things, they're typically going to do well. And again, going back to positive inclusive, if you say a positive inclusive joke and no one laughs, it just becomes a positive inclusive statement. And typically it's only awkward if you make it awkward, if you like do very clearly like a setup and punchline and think it's going to be hilarious. And they're like, eh, right guys. Right. Eh, eh, that was funny, huh? Wasn't it right? Like if you just kind of move past it, if you like give a brief pause, no one laughs and then you move on to the next thing. A lot of times no one even kind of notices what's going on. If you have to explain a joke, it's not a joke. <laughs> exactly. Andrew, it's been fantastic chatting with you. Um, I'm, uh, I want to, I've watched your TEDx. I'm going to go back and watch it again. I'm going to put a link at the bottom of this as well because I think if 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 people were you know keen to find out more about you, that's a great way of getting into into start. Before we go though, could you leave us with your one thing, a big idea, your golden nugget, something that people could do in their businesses today to make them better for today and better for the years to come? What would that be? It would be kind of the distillation if you want to get started with using humor in the workplace. So part of it would just be the high level start using humor. But the the more actionable version of that is to simply start thinking one smile per hour or one smile per interaction. And this isn't this doesn't mean just smile once an hour or once an interaction, but instead do something that would create a smile for someone else or for yourself. Right. So if you're having some type of interaction with a, a customer or a client, do something that would make them smile, you know, incorporate uh, some interesting imagery into your slideshow or, you know, start with a, a story that's then related to the subject that you're going to talk about or do it for yourself. If you're getting ready to sit in traffic on your way home from work, like I said, listen to a comedy podcast or rock out to, you know, the Hamilton soundtrack or whatever, you know, type of thing is going to bring you a little bit of joy. But try to think about, OK, each hour of the day, which one thing that I can do 
that brings a smile to either my face or someone else's face. That helps you to start to develop your humor habit. You'll start to see there's opportunity for humor in, in all the type of work that you do, and that will get you get you started. Fantastic tips there, Andrew. Thank you so much for your time. I love chatting with you. It's been great. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.